we are choosing from unconscious parts of ourselves. And if we don't do the work to heal our trauma and our wounds, we're still going to be using those same unconscious wounded parts of ourselves to, to pick someone who may look entirely different on the outside, but often the outcome is the same because we're the common denominator. Uh-huh. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 450 with guest Kate Anthony. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone, my dear listeners, my lovely, lovely humans. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Hey, a couple of quick announcements. If you have a suggestion for the show, like if you know that the spirituality and creativity theme is coming up and the self-care theme is coming up and you are like, you know who needs to be on the show? this person. (laughs) Send me a DM on Instagram. I love to hear suggestions from you. I am constantly perusing the interwebs, mostly social media, in uh, in an attempt to find really smart, interesting people who can educate and inspire and motivate us um, to be better humans. So I'm really excited for the spirituality theme that's coming up after the relationships one all different kinds of guests, all different kinds of spirituality themes. And I, I'm i really enjoying this the way that we're doing this podcast this year because I'm learning so much. And I hope that you are too. So yeah, shoot me a message on Instagram. I would love to hear from you or just say hi. I'm still the one who, who answers the DMs over there. So um, Instagram is being weird about sending them to my spam filter. So if you don't hear from me for a minute, that's why. But I'm coming. I'm coming in hot. All right. The other thing is, if you are on the fence about joining us this September for my Daring Way retreat, I am hosting 12 phenomenal women, and we're going to be in Asheville, North Carolina. The Daring Way is the modality based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown that I am trained and certified to facilitate. And you can hop on the phone with me for a quick chat to get your questions answered. Make sure that this is the right uh, retreat for you to attend. So you can go to the retreat page. It's at andreaowen.com slash retreat. Scroll down to the FAQs and there's a link to book. Super easy peasy. Or you can reply to any of the emails that that you get. Um, don't DM me for that because I'm just going to tell you to do those two things because I cannot be trusted with scheduling. That is all on Emily and Rebecca. So uh, yes, FAQs on andreaowen.com slash retreat, or just reply to any of the emails that you get from me, and we can um, hop on the phone together and have a little chat. So today we're talking to my dear friend, Kate Anthony, who's been on the show so many times, I, I don't know how many times she's been on, many times. 
And she is, well, let me just read you her bio because she has such an amazing niche, the people that she serves in her business. Let me tell you about her. Kate Anthony is the host of the critically acclaimed and New York Times recommended podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast, and the creator of the groundbreaking online coaching program, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, which helps women make the most difficult decision of their lives using coaching tools, relationship education, geeky neuroscience, community support, and deep self-work. Kate empowers women to find their strength, passion, and confidence, even in the most disempowering of circumstances, and help them move forward with concrete plans, putting their children at the center, not the middle, of all decisions. Kate lives in Los Angeles with her son, whom she lovingly co-parents with her ex, her two pups, and a handful of fish. And before we jump in, Keep in mind, this is not for people who have either been divorced, uh, not necessarily, I should say, for people who have been divorced or are contemplating divorce or, or are going through one. We do talk about that a little bit because it is her niche, but we talk mostly about relationships. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Kate. Kate Anthony's back on the show. Hi. Were you talking <laughs> over me just then? I was sorry. I wouldn't be surprised. Of course, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I think this is probably (laughs) at least your fifth or sixth time on the show. And we're doing something a little different than we've done before. I don't know if I've had you on specifically to talk about this, to talk about what you, you know, chat about all day long on your podcast. And uh, for people who are single, please stick around. There's going to be questions and commentary for, for everyone, but you specialize in people who are getting divorced, more specifically women who are getting divorced, correct? Correct. Okay. And even more specifically, uh, moms. Okay. <laughs> Just okay. to niche it down far. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Do you help women though that even are child-free? I do. I it just tends to be moms. Do. Yeah. It just tends to be moms. And I also help p- people decide whether to stay or go. Like that's okay. the other sort of half of my, of my, yeah. and uh, some business, people stay. They do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well, let's jump in then because I I have heard this and I, I heard this before I married my second husband and it freaked me out a little bit. I've heard that the divorce rate for second and third marriages is higher than for first marriages. And why do you think that is? Or is there research that tells us exactly why? Um, I don't know that there is specific research that tells us exactly why, because I think that would be somewhat difficult to do. But I will say that all of us, all of us professionals in the divorce industry are pretty much in alignment on why that is. Um, and it's pretty logical, right? Most mm-hmm. of the time it's because you're, you're not doing the work. People are not mm-hmm. doing the work to figure out what went wrong the first time. And they're like, he was an asshole. She was a bitch and it was their fault. And so I'm just going to choose someone different. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, and I'm sure you talk about all the time, we can, consider that we can, we can think that we're choosing someone different, but then, oh my God, it it's like, it's the same. Right. And like, how did that happen? Right. And it's because we are choosing from unconscious parts of ourselves. And if we don't do the work to heal our trauma and our wounds, we're still going to be using those same unconscious wounded parts of ourselves to, ch- to pick someone who may look entirely different on the outside, but often the outcome is the same because we're the common denominator. Uh-huh. You've experienced this, right? Not with your current <laughs> right. necessarily. Well, I but, right? that, like I learned exactly school. what you said that right. that happened. And I was like, I woke up one morning and I was like, uh, 
I'm the common denominator. And it's easy to put a lot mm-hmm. of the blame on ourselves, but at the end of the day, you just have to go and do your work because you're absolutely right. Like that's what I was doing. I was trying to heal my childhood wounds through my partners and also <laughs> reacting from these unconscious abandonment wounds. And then I decided, and I was already, I was already married to Jason when when I really saw yes. it took my second marriage to really see like all of my wounds and go, okay, this isn't this isn't a him problem. It's a mm-hmm. me problem. And not to say, you know, he didn't have his own stuff that he needed to work on, but mine became very obvious. In well, my and I think, right. And I think I had a similar thing when I married <clears throat> my ex-husband where I was like, I remember one time like being like in the fetal position. This is like when we were dating and like rocking back and forth because he was triggering such like incredible amounts of <laughs> deep stuff. Right. Uh-huh. That I was literally in the corner in the fetal position, rocking and crying. And I was like, okay, this, this is not him. Uh-huh. This is me. This is my stuff. Now, it was also him. And if I had if I had really gone deeper into the work, I probably wouldn't have married him, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. But and I think in your case with Jason, it was like, okay, here I am with this guy who's really great. He's doing all the right things. I'm getting triggered in all these ways that this is now, now this is me, uh-huh. right? Like now this is my shit. Yeah. And that's what I had to go and and work on. And so I'm going to ask you mm-hmm. some questions, like some general questions. And then like the second half, I want to ask you specific questions around divorce and kids and things like that. So people yeah. who are in that situation, stay tuned. We're going to get to that. But I know you talk a lot about smashing the patriarchy. How do you think <laughs> the patriarchy has affected women's ability to find happiness and fulfillment in their marriages or did oh their God. long-term relationships? How has it not? I know. Andrea, how has it not? <laughs> it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> How long do we have, babe? Yeah. Um, pretty sure you just wrote a book about this. There's a number, there are a number of things. I think uh, toxic masculinity is, is a huge part of it. Um, and when I talk about toxic masculinity, I really want to be clear. I'm not saying that men are toxic. I think that the entire thing needs a rebrand. But the fact that the patriarchy has men and women in these very specific um sort of gender specific columns, right. Of what we expect from them, what we um, require of them uh, or, or each other and us. And so with the fact that overall, I'm speaking generally here, um, I don't want to get like a, not all men conversation going, but <clears throat> overall, generally speaking, men have not been taught that their emotions are okay. Uh-huh. That that their emotions are um, worth looking at, that they're, you know, anything, right? And so we've got a lot of a lot of men who have been so disserviced by this system that also sort of upholds them as more, you know, gives them more power and mm-hmm. more, uh, you know, access and all of the things, right? But it also does them such a huge emotional, psychological disservice. And so then when women are getting into relationships with these men and we, and also the patriarchy tells us women that we have to do the work, right? That we're, so we're the ones we're the overwhelming, mm-hmm. yeah, we're the nurturers, but we're also the ones who are overwhelmingly consuming personal development. We are overwhelmingly um, going to therapy and, you know, men are told to like man up and like, you know, all of that stuff. And so really what's 
so we've got these two people, these two types of people trying to get into a relationship with one another. And women are overwhelmingly doing so much of the the emotional labor in relationships, and we're tired. Uh And I think we're at a point in history where we are able to name it, we're talking about it, and we're able to say, actually, no. Actually, no. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) no. Actually, no. That's the title of the episode. Actually, no. Um, And that, and that we're able to opt out and it's okay. Like we, and we're no longer, well, we are, but we are moving away from uh, this idea that women are overwhelmingly like not okay if we're single. Yeah. Right. That we have to be in a relationship that we have in order to be a whole human, we have to be partnered. Right. Mm -hmm. And as a culture, we are moving away from that. And so more and more women are opting out of relationships that aren't serving them and not really opting back in. Yeah. This, the rate of second marriages for women is far lower than for men. Men have to get married. They get remarried so quickly because suddenly they have to, they have to replace all the labor that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then women are like exhausted and like, yeah, no, actually I'm not, I'm not signing up for that again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is. Yeah. It's fascinating where it's going. And I even think about, you know, I think that pop culture and the media we consume growing up Mm -hmm. is so important. And if you think about you and I, when we grew up and, and how controversial the Mary Tyler Moore show was that she Mm. was single uh-huh. And, and she worked, you know, like she put her career That's first right. and she was child-free and, and the, and the show wasn't based around, and it was actually a little bit like, I didn't watch it. I just remember people talking about it. It was a little bit before my time. It was a little but earlier than the, us. Yeah, yeah. The show wasn't based around her looking for a husband. Like that wasn't uh-uh. the premise. It was about like her and her friend and her job, like, and her yeah, job. Oh That's my right. gosh. Like <laughs> women have other interests and constantly looking for a husband. And then I think about sex in the city and how three of the four main characters like uh-huh. the show revolved around them looking for a partner. Samantha was right. the only one who was really only interested in in her sexual gratification, which was also right. a, a big deal. So it's so fascinating to me to, to think about all these shows that have shaped us over time and, and how that is changing, which makes me so happy. And also I want to touch on something else that you were um that I know you talk about and just in general with patriarchy and and so, as you know, I spent a lot of time on TikTok and it's so like the whole mental health TikTok is super interesting and relationships and, and the amount of women who are claiming that they are either uh, in a relationship with a narcissist or have mm-hmm. an, a, an ex who's a narcissist. So mm-hmm. I really kind of, I wonder the guy that, um, that faked cancer to cover up his drug addiction. I, I wonder if he was like actually a sociopath, like <laughs> hundred percent, hundred percent. But even my, my ex-husband, like all the lies and stuff that he told, I, I, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. I think that what's interesting about that is that it's not statistically possible for the amount of narcissists to, to exist that people say there are. And I saw That's this right. one woman talking about this and she said, they're probably not a narcissist. They're just mm-hmm. a man who was raised in a patriarchy mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. think that he is so self-important and so entitled. Like there's a lot of similarities between narcissism and entitled men. It's fascinating to think about that. And then the last thing I want to say before I forget is 
I, I think I probably saw it on TikTok as well. Ta- someone was talking about really think about like, let's just think about like your exes. What did they bring to the table? Like, what did they bring to the relationship? And I was aghast <laughs> when I heard that question. I was like, oh, oh my God. Uh-huh. My ex-husband uh-huh. brought literally nothing. That's right. That's right. Except for pain and drama and confusion and yeah, gaslighting. No dick is worth lying. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we had some right. good times. Of course um, we did. Mm-hmm. So we had a friendship, but it was not worth the everything that happened. And like I, the amount of labor that I put into that relationship is shocking right. to me. Shocking. It is shocking. And also completely normal. Completely right. normal. This My is story what is women not do. uncommon. It is not. It is not. It is not. So I want to go back to the first the first part about narcissism. Here I have thoughts. I have thoughts, Andrea. You'd be surprised. Okay. I have thoughts okay, about this. Mm-hmm. So first of all, narcissism itself is a spectrum, right? So when we talk about narcissism and we say that it is statistically impossible for all of these people to be narcissists, what we're really talking about is narcissistic personality disorder. Right. And it is statistically impossible for all of these people that we're talking that we're claiming are narcissists to have narcissistic personality disorder. That being said, it's a huge spectrum and it goes from completely healthy um, ego, right? Um, Or like a little bit overinflated, like completely healthy, you wouldn't be a narcissist, but there's an overinflated ego and sense of self and self-importance, which can to like, I mean, I always talk about my mom being a narcissist and how, you know, my mom is someone who she's a narcissist because her emotional growth was stunted at the age of about seven. Mm-hmm. And it's actually perfectly appropriate for a seven-year-old to be narcissistic in this sense because, you know, we, we wouldn't call a seven-year-old a narcissist, but their de- their brain development, their their prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for empathy and all and those sorts of that sort of functioning and thinking about others, hasn't developed yet. So children are by nature self-centered. This is why when we get divorced, it's really important to tell, to really enforce, reinforce for our kids that it's not their fault because they think it's their fault, not because they're dumb, but because that is their brain development. That is their natural developmental state. Mm-hmm. So my mom is somebody who is an example of this where it's, she's not malignant. She, she really, but she absolutely cannot physiologically, neuro, neurobiologically can't think beyond herself. And so uh, even, so, you know, my struggles with her over my lifetime have been working to separate myself out from someone who doesn't believe that there is any separation between us. And I mean that like in a very sort of clinical sense, like mm-hmm. she doesn't, she, ha- there's no, there's no place where, she, you know, I say I'm cold and she says, it's not cold. Yeah. And she's 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 legitimately confused. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. And so there's that level of narcissism. And then we've got the more sort of malignant kinds um where you know their acts are hurt other people. Like they're so self-centered that their actions hurt other people and it doesn't matter how much they're told and how much they were they're told by therapists or partners or whatever that their actions hurt someone. They can't they can't think beyond their own ego. Um, and so they'll continue to do it. And then further along the spectrum, we have narcissistic personality disorder and sociopathy where like they're really 
dangerous people. Yeah. No remorse, no empathy. Right. And then so they I, learn how to mimic feelings. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And so I would say I would vent, I would go out on a limb, totally a non-clinical limb. Cause I am, you know, this is not, I'm not a, a therapist. I'm not a diagnostician, but, but given the spectrum of narcissism as it can occur in, you know, in humans, I would, I would go out on a limb and say, actually, yes, I think, I think men raised in patriarchy are by definition narcissists. Yeah, maybe. Uh, if it walks like a duck, you know, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like, I mean, right. And so then, you know, it begs the question, right? Like, is he a narcissist or is he just an asshole? And does it matter? Does it matter? Mm-hmm. Does it matter? And so I talk about this a lot in my programs and on my podcast. Like, it doesn't, it, it really doesn't, it, it matters if it helps, gives you a clear lens. Yeah. It matters if it has you go, Oh, that's what that is. And then you can Google narcissism be like, right. oh. and if they're and, and if he's willing to go get like clinical support for it. Well, yes and no, but even like I mean he might, but like I don't know. They they tend not to yeah. by definition. Some do. I don't think many. Some, yeah, right. Um but mostly it's useful for some for someone to go, "Oh, oh, oh, that's what that is." And then be able to google it and have a better understanding of it and go, "Oh, great. I okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. That's not something I want for my life." Yeah. Yeah, should should someone stay in a relationship or marriage if they have kids with that person and like stay just for the kids? Mm-mm. Yeah, I thought that was going to be your answer. <laughs> Quickly. Mm-mm. Nope. Um you no, next question. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, we're done. Um, <laughs> I can explain that a little bit. If it is a toxic environment, if it's a not toxic environment and, and you make that choice and you want to like, if it's just like you're unhappy, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But still, I would say this is your one wild and precious life. And why would you do something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, if it is a to- at all toxic, then what you're doing is when you say that you're staying for your children is you're, you're kind of, first of all, you're keeping them in toxicity. And a lot of people will say, but I want to stay because, because I can mitigate it. I can be there to, to sort of run interference. And what I say to that is that you're keeping your children in that environment hundred percent of the time. And by doing that, you're actually um, condoning it. You're defending it and you're supporting it. And beyond that, you're guaranteeing that the generational uh, cycles are going to repeat for for another generation because we repeat our relationship models in our future relationships. And if uh, if the model that your kids see in your house is super toxic, then they will go on to choose toxic relationships. This is the reason I left my marriage. It was the moment when I went, oh my God, I have to leave for my son. Mm -hmm. My son is going to grow up to be an emotional abuser and he's going to choose codependent women to prey upon. And, 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 and I, and I knew it clearly hundred percent. And so if you don't want the relationship that you have for your children, then staying, you're not, then staying for them does them no favors. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, if it is toxic and you are able, now look, if, if we're talking about physical violence, then you need to call your local domestic violence shelter and get an exit plan and, and, and make sure your children are safe. But if it's emotional abuse and other forms of toxicity, if you 
provide them a safe place that is um, free of this toxicity, that it is nurturing, that it is a safe place for them to land, even if it is only 50% of the time, you give them the gift of perspective. And what I mean by that is that you give them the opportunity to feel one thing. And then even if when they're with their dad, they feel something different, they actually start to, to learn the difference between the two feelings and they're able to choose. Mm -hmm. Right. So at 16, my son is now able to name the way that he feels around his dad. And he's able to say, I don't feel that way here. I feel safe and loved and cared for here. Uh And it's a different experience. But if I had stayed, he would feel scared all the time. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. One of the things that we've been doing pretty much consistently over the entire pandemic, I think it's been that long, is ordering from Green Chef. I order three meals about every other week. Sometimes it's it's more often and it's every week. And I love everything about them. I was trying to narrow it down and I was like, I don't think it's just one thing. So they make cooking super easy so you spend less time stressing and planning and racking your brain and looking through your Pinterest boards for meals and recipes and all that so you have more time to enjoy delicious home-cooked meals. And they're pre-made and pre-measured sauces and dressings and spices and and meat and everything, and you get more chef-curated flavor in less time. I have found that since I've been ordering it for so long and I understand how the recipe card works, I'm even faster than I was previously. And they Green Chef offers 24 always changing recipes to choose from, which I feel like is the perfect amount. It's not too many recipes to choose from. Uh, it's not not enough. Um, that's every week. So you never get bored. And they have options for every lifestyle. Green Chef offers keto and paleo, vegan, vegetarian, Mediterranean, gluten-free, absolutely whatever it is that you want and what you need. I will probably never stop using them. <laughs> because it makes me feel fancy. (laughs) And it's easy. It's so absolutely easy. So if you go to greenchef.com slash noise130 and use code noise130, you get $130 off plus free shipping. That is greenchef.com slash noise130. Use code noise130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. If you really, really know me, you know I love a beautiful serving bowl and serving dish. My mom had this big serving dish since I was a kid, and it has a crack in it that's been repaired. And a few years ago, when I was at her house for Thanksgiving, I asked her if I could have it, and she gave it to me. I don't know. Dishes, especially serving dishes, create so much meaning, and I can't wait to hand down to my kids special dinnerware that we use now. Because your table is where you nourish yourself, your friendships, and your family, and that's why year and day believes it's worth it to set a table you love. Year and Day gives you everything you need and nothing you don't to set the perfect table. I love, love, love the simplicity and beauty of Year and Day's designs. This isn't your grandma's china. It's a beautifully curated assortment of high-quality dishes, flatware, and glass designed to enhance your modern life at home. And if you're not sure what you want, you can answer a few questions about how you live, how you entertain, and year and day will customize a complete set for you in just a few clicks. And this is very important. Everything 
is dishwasher safe. I think they're gorgeous. Please go check them out and support the show. Year and Day is giving Make Some Noise listeners a special offer. Visit yearandday.com slash noise and use code noise to get $25 off your first order of $150 or more and receive free shipping on orders of $150 or more. That is yearandday.com slash noise and use code noise. All of their things are beautiful. Go check them out. I especially love all of their bowls. So again, yearandday.com slash noise and use code noise. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, digestive issues can be indicators of stress, not to mention doom scrolling. That is something that I do that I wish I did not do as much as I do. Sleeping too little, sleeping too much, under eating, overeating. For me, for sure, insomnia is one of my biggest indicators of stress. It can show up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that's telling us to do more, to hustle more, sleep less, you know, where it's celebrated if you sleep less and grind all the time, I am here to remind you to take care of yourself, do less, and hopefully try some therapy. Therapy has been incredibly helpful for me. I have long told you guys on this podcast that I am pretty much always seeing a therapist, especially in times of of extra stress. So BetterHelp is customized online therapy. They offer video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Make Some Noise listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash kickass. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash kickass. Do you help people who are in same-sex relationships or marriages? I do and I don't, right? So, I mean, I think it's actually a very valid question. Um, there are a lot of women in my Facebook group. Um, a lot of women have gone through my programs who are in safe, same-sex relationships. And look, <laughs> these these cultural dynamics that create um, these power dynamics show up in all kinds of relationships, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I see the same levels of toxicity in same-sex sex marriages because it's like it's internalized. Yeah. It becomes internalized. So I have not yet actually worked privately one-on-one as a as a coach with a with a with a lesbian, which, mm-hmm. which is what it would be. But they've gone through my programs and found them very helpful. Yeah. So yes and no. <laughs> I just wonder. Um, you know, I've had some friends who are in same-sex relationships that have that have um, divorced mm-hmm. and. I just am curious if the level of toxicity is the same that it would be in heterosexual marriages that divorce. I would say mostly not Uh um, for these reasons, but then you have these, these, you know, in the, the internalized stuff and and listen, women are just as capable of being toxic and narcissistic and abusive. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, that's not true. They're not just as capable. Um, The split is about 80, 20. So about 80% of emotional abusers are men. Mm -hmm. Well, and then there's the conversation of reactive (laughs) abuse. I mean, which is a whole nother 
conversation. Then there's the conversation about reactive abuse. And Mm -hmm. like, look, you know, we know, you know this very well. I have in my family a super, super toxic, psychotic abuser who's a woman. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, they exist. Okay. Let's talk about your divorce for a minute. Mm -hmm. And are you happier now than when you were married? I know the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) But talk about that. Tell us. Yes. I am so much happier. (laughs) I think it's such a great, a great, um, it's such a great question. I think it's important. I mean, and you are too, right? Oh my God. Yeah. When I was married, I was like, I was like the Stepfordy, I was an empty shell. I was an empty, empty shell of myself. I didn't, God, I had no substance. I was so um, beaten down Mm -hmm. and I had, and I had tried, I had, I had bent myself into so many pretzels to try to be enough for this man for whom there is no enough ever. And I was, I was just, I would, God, I was so empty, Andrea. I was so empty. And it took me a couple of years to like start to feel like myself again. And when we're being abused, like, first of all, I think it's really important for women to hear that, like, you actually can't do the healing work while being abused. Right. Right. You can't, you can't heal from trauma while you're still experiencing the trauma. Um, you can't like, like, you know, let's take like a, like a wound where like a physical wound, right. Your arm can't heal if someone keeps breaking it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's really the same thing. And so I was just in a state of, I think I, I was in a trauma response. I was in a frozen trauma response for so long. People would say, how are you? And I'd be like, I, like, I don't, no, like mm-hmm. I actually didn't know how I was and how I felt because I was frozen. Um, and so getting out of that, first of all, and allowing myself to heal was one part of why I feel so much, why I'm so much happier. Um, and I live my life on my own terms. I am not trying to please somebody else. I'm not doing a codependent dance 24 seven. And, you know, look, even if your marriage is not toxic and abusive and all of those things, if you're unhappy, we deserve to be happy as humans. We deserve to make choices for ourselves that that make us happy and that show our children what happiness is and looks like and what strength looks like. Look, I am not repartnered. I don't have another relationship, but my, my son, my Mother's Day card this year, my son, 16, wrote to me, thank you for showing me um, how to be something like how to be a good and and healthy man, like and, and it makes me cry. It makes me so sad that he doesn't get that from his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes me really proud that I still get to raise a really good man in this world. And the only reason I could do it is by being out. And so that gives me fulfillment. My my work gives me so much fulfillment. I live my life on my own terms Mm -hmm. and there's, there's just, my God, there's no, there's nothing better. Yeah. Well, I want to circle back to something you said where you were saying like, you know, you can't heal if you're, if you stay in the relationship with your manipulator abuser. And I've, I've thought about that before. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think to myself, you know, especially like when I'm in deep therapy, talking about my former marriage and I've thought mm-hmm. what what would I have done if oh he God, would yeah. have if he would have come <laughs> back and like truly 
truly like stripped everything down and said, I've got to go to like intense therapy and like deal with this shit. And I want to, you know, like, because it, I don't think it's super common, but it does happen. So does. one of my colleagues, it's it's a woman, and she was actually on the podcast. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Her name's Andrea J. Lee. She started a Substack where she talks about her own abuse. Like she was abusing her, she was verbally abusing her husband for years and didn't even really know it because mm-hmm. it was what she knew because she was verbally abused by her mother. Mm-hmm. And so I forget exactly what how she kind of like came to see the light. Um I don't know if I can't remember if her husband like threatened to leave or or what was going on, but she threw herself into therapy and like is a changed person and her marriage Mm -hmm. is so much better for it. So it does happen. People change, people heal, people take responsibility for their terrible behavior. But I I just I think it's I think it takes a lot of work on both and and to build that trust back. That's the Mm -hmm. part I think I I don't know if I ever could have come back from that. That's right. That's right. And that's, I see this a lot, actually. I do see men who, because I work with women, I'm just, you know, using that as an example, but um, I see men who are like, who have quote, seen the light and they start to do the work. And I have, there are a lot of women who are like, he's genuinely changing, but I, I don't, I don't, my feelings aren't there anymore. Yeah. They've been emotionally divorced for a lot longer. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I, and my answer to that is you're, that's great. Like you're okay. You're allowed. You're still allowed to go. You're allowed to go. And what you're doing is actually putting, I had a client this morning actually to say that, you know, her husband did all the work and he is like genuinely changed and she couldn't stay. There was too much water under the bridge. There was too much trauma. There was too much fear mm-hmm. and she couldn't do it. And now he's dating somebody else. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Now she gets someone else gets the good guy that mm-hmm. I like. I put in all of this energy. It's like I sacrificed myself on the like, you know, on the pyre of whatever for this for this man's change. And now like someone else gets it, you know, and there's and grief like, in that for sure. There's so much grief in mm-hmm. that. There's so much grief in that. And what I said was, number one, there's grief in that. And you have to a- a- allow and acknowledge the grief. And know that your kids now get the best version of their dad. And if this new relationship goes the distance, they get to be raised in that healthy environment that you created. Mm -hmm. You allowed for that to happen by leaving. And you may not get to reap the rewards of this changed man, but your kids do. And that right there is stopping the cycle. Yeah. Right there. And you know, it's still a hard pill to swallow. It still sucks. For sure. And it probably comes back, you know, especially if they have to continue to communicate with their ex. And um, Mm -hmm. it's that whole, like, I wrote about this in in Make Some Noise, like towards the end, like Mm -hmm. you are not his therapist. (laughs) And and sometimes that ends up happening in in relationships and, you know, without even us knowing that it's happening. So I see it all the time. Yeah. I want to ask something really specific for people who might be thinking about walking into divorce or or who are in it. A couple of of questions like should like, let's talk about, you know, a marriage between a man and a woman. Should she be best friends with her ex? No, no, maybe some. Maybe someday. So I've actually come, I've, I've gone on a, about a 13 year journey um, with this question. 
because as you know, Andrea, I started out best friends with my ex mm-hmm. um, and everyone was like, oh my God, you guys had the most toxic, horrific marriage. How did you guys end up being such good friends? And like, you know, we were like, oh, we couldn't make the marriage work. We were going to make the divorce work and like, blah, 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 blah. And you know what? The reason we were best friends was because I, in in my, now, 13 years later, I can look back and say it was because I was burying my trauma. Mm-hmm. I was still in my trauma. This is when my drinking started escalating, by the way. <laughs> um, I was burying the trauma. I was like, I was like, well, I'm out of the relationship. I don't have to deal with that anymore. So now we're just going to be friends and everything's going to be great mm-hmm. until it really actually wasn't. And yeah. for a while he started, he continued to abuse me. Um, it was the, it was, you know, less, it was less frequent, but it would have these like devastating spikes I finally had to put some like seriously strong boundaries in place and do my own healing. And I think it's the same thing. Like if you're, if you go from like toxicity to best friends and you don't deal with the trauma and you don't give yourself space to just heal. I mean, look, if, if, if there wasn't toxicity and like, you know, I know there's a, there's a, uh, Instagram account called husband-in-law and there were, they're Mormon and they were married, but her husband was gay. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like and now she's remarried or something. She's and... remarried and the three of them are best friends. Yeah. Totally fine. <laughs> right. Like it works. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's upset. Like totally get it. Like, I think that's fine for most people. I think that we should go, we should go through divorce and, and start off um, with a, a more of a parallel track and do your own work, do your own healing. Um, and then look, if later on, as you have developed your yourself as an individual, if you both come together and you can forge that friendship, fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's best for your kids. That is like best case scenario. But give yourself some time. Yeah. Give yourself some time to heal so that you're choosing your friendship fr- not from the same place that you chose the marriage. Yeah, it sounds like boundaries are the absolute top mm-hmm. priority when it comes to the relationship that you have with your ex. Because I remember also you starting to get, this was years ago, like starting to get involved and Ugh. be kind of the mediator between the problems with your ex and his wife that he's been yeah. remarried to for a while. And I was like, okay, because <laughs> no. you know him so well and you're friends mm-hmm. with his wife. And no, mm-hmm. that's just, it was, no. that it was codependent s- behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, this is stuff I'm still dealing with. And I, I hesitate to talk about it too much because it's not really my story to tell, but (laughs) I struggle with the balance still because I do know him and what she struggles with is so familiar. And I want her to know that she's not alone and that she's not crazy. Mm -hmm. And maybe Um, there's like an unconscious part of you that like wants to heal yourself through that marriage too. (laughs) Let me tell you, I have transference dreams about her all the time where I'm like rushing to protect her and I'm taking care of her. And I'm like, oh my God, this is about me. I'm trying to protect my younger self that I could like, it's so, it's so Freudian. It's insane. Right. Because she's eight years younger. So it was me eight years ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Right. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, it's right there. And so I'm, I'm conscious and I'm aware of it. And also I'm like, I'm like, girl, I'm here. I don't step into it ever. I don't step into it. I'll say, how are you? And, and she will be like, okay. 
or she'll unload on me. And if she unloads, like we unpack it and I, and then I step away from it because you know, I, I have experienced a, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, but the reason I do it for a living is because I am so it's complicated. So complicated. Yeah. Those are like my favorite two words. Okay. I have one more (laughs) question and it's going to be super specific for people who have children who are dealing with this. So how would someone deal with having to communicate with their ex about the kids during a possible high conflict or medium conflict divorce? Yes. Such a good question. There are great co-parenting apps on the market. And if it's high conflict, mm -hmm. there's an app for everything. There's an app for everything. And if it is a high conflict situation, there are a couple of apps I recommend. There's one called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. Um, and then there's another one called the Peaceful pa- Peaceful Parent app or Peaceful Co-Parent app. I can't remember. Um, and we'll find it. You and put, the, put that in the show notes. Yeah, put it. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, and I also have a discount code for Fair, so we can put that in as well. Okay, perfect. Um, but the Peaceful Parenting app is amazing because you can set. Uh, it, you can you can you can basically like tell them they they can only answer yes or no. <laughs> So you can set it to canned responses where they can only respond with like so multiple it's like a choice. Yes. In an app. And you can set it so that they can only uh, message you like three times a day. Does it flag abusive language? <laughs> um, I th- it might. Well, there's another like one. Like that, that bark does. app for like your kids. <laughs> right. There's our family wizard has a tone monitor um, and that's different, but it's a, it's a much more clunky um uh, app, but they do have a tone monitor so that it'll flag it and be like, maybe there's another way for you to say this. <laughs> yeah. That's so amazing. Um, but the more important thing, even if you don't use an app, one of the more important things is um, there's a great book out there called Biff for Co-Parent Communication. And it's written by a man named Bill Eddy. And Bill is the founder of the High Conflict Institute. So this man knows knows from High Conflict. And the the BIF method of communication, it's B-I-F-F. And the BIF method of communication is brief, informative, friendly, and firm. And I highly recommend the co-parent book because like a third of the book is instructional and then two-thirds of the book are examples (laughs) for like everything. It's so helpful because, you know, you want to get into it. You want to like shame them back. You want to be like, why would you, why would you do that to me? Stick it to him. Right. You stick it to him. (laughs) But the best way for, for peaceful communication with a high conflict person is to give it brief, informative, right? Just give them the information, just the facts, please. Mm -hmm. Right. Friendly, right? Like, hi, I hope this email finds you well. The children have soccer at five 30 today. I trust you will be there on time you know, thanks, period. (laughs) Thanks. Not because you're always late and it has such an impact on the kids. I have to remind you. And I can't believe I have to remind you of this. And, you know, it really impacts them when they're late because then they don't get the like, uh -uh. (laughs) right. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's friendly and firm, right? So you're not asking permission. And I think that this is something that women do overwhelmingly. And I talk about this in in my program as well with, in terms of how to tell your husband you're getting, you're, you want a divorce is that this, you're not asking permission. And this is something that we do all the time as women. You know, I have people say to me all the time, like, well, I, I tried to tell him I wanted to get a divorce and he won't let me. 
And I'm like, this is, this is a, this is a unilateral decision. This Mm -hmm. is a one-way communication. You are telling, you are not asking. So it's the same thing in all high conflict communication, right? You are, you are telling, you're not asking, you're not looking for their agreement, their understanding, their approval or anything. You're simply stating what is so. And then you're getting on with your life. Oh, so helpful. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Before we close up, where can everyone find out more about you? Thank you, my love. Um, Everything's on my website, kateanthony.com. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at The Divorce Survival Guide and my podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast is available in all the places. Love it. And that will all be in the show notes, everyone. Thank you so much for being here, Kate. Oh my God. I adore you. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. And thanks everyone for listening and staying with us this whole time. I know how valuable your time is and I'm grateful that you spend it with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye everyone. Hi there. Swing back by to say one more thing. You know how I'm always giving advice over here on the show and on social media, and a couple of those things is that I'm always telling you to ask for what you want, be clear about it, and also ask for help. So I am taking a dose of my own medicine, and I'm going to do that right now. It would be the absolute best and mean the world to me if you reviewed and subscribed to this show, Make Some Noise Podcast, on whatever podcast platform of your choice. And even more importantly, It would matter so much if you shared this show. Sharing the show is one of the few ways the podcast can grow, and that also gives more women an opportunity to make some noise in their lives. You can do that by taking a screenshot when you're listening on your phone and sharing it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me at HeyAndreaOwen, and I try my best to always reshare those and give you a quick thank you DM. And also, you can tell your friends and family about it. Tell them what you learned. Tell them a really awesome guest that you found on the show that you started following. Whatever it is, I appreciate so much you sharing about this show. 